Well, good morning, church. It's good to see if we haven't met before. My name is Scott, and I want to say welcome. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us today. Today, I get the great privilege of introducing someone that, for most of you, needs no introduction at all. (laughs) Um, But for those of you who are new to South Hills or moved into the area, it is my great privilege to introduce to you um, Pastor Phil. And for those of you who don't know Phil, yeah, let's hear it from Phil. For those of you who don't know Phil, he uh, was leading this church for, faithfully for 33 years, and um, we're grateful to have him. I'm, I'm excited to have him here to share with us. Um, Phil and Anita have been an encouragement to Lisa and I when we um, first moved here, and their encouragement and their prayers and uh, just their concern for this church and the care for us has been really felt by us, and I know that you have felt it for many years if you've been a part of this church, um, Phil and Anita's uh, care. Um, their discipleship and their encouragement to you. And so, um, Phil, thanks for being hey, here. thanks, for brother. Sharing. Appreciate yeah, exactly. it. Thanks I for inviting me. you being here. That's good. Thank um, you. We'll let you go. Thank you. When I heard the South Hills Church was looking at a new pastor, I was so excited. I was praying for just the right one. And then I heard his last name, and I thought, wow. <laughs> you know, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? And... Uh, in fact, just two weeks ago, I was asked uh, to do a funeral, and uh, the man does not come to South Hills Church, but he said, well, we knew that if you weren't available, we would ask your son to do it for us. And I said, well, my son's a police officer. I'm sure he could help. Oh, no, I thought the pastor at South Hills was your son. And so, anyway, uh, I just want to say, Scott, you, you are my son. I will just adopt you, and uh, it's good. And I was so, so pleased to receive a phone call from Scott and to have this invitation. Uh, my wife, Anita, is here. Uh, Anita can stand up. Um, just want to say that just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. So, And I know you're, you're scratching your head if you don't know us, that my wife looks like she's 39, so how does that work? But it, it's another miracle of God, so. What a blessing to be here with you. A blessing to see the church family loving the Lord, loving one another, and wanting to learn from God's Word. So thank you so much for being here today. The series that uh, Scott has shared with me is about uh, my, my verse, my life. What, what verse would I point to that would describe what God is doing in me and through me? We talked about that a lot through the years, that the Christian life is really very simple. It's a relationship, Jesus in me and Jesus through me. Okay? And if you can figure that out, you've got it. Okay? A relationship with Christ where he is abiding in you, you're abiding in him, you're abiding in his word, you're following his word, you're living for him, and then you let that overflow into your life relationships. That's Christianity, Christ in you, Christ through you. And so one of the core values that I am so happy that Scott has embraced and the church still embraces, and that is that God's word in us changes us. And that's the life verse that I want us to think about here today. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 And Paul is writing to a church, and he's observing something. He's observing something very significant about the dynamic of their church. And it is my prayer, and I know it's Scott's prayer, that this verse would be 
the foundation of South Hills Church. So let's stand together and read this verse together. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. Father in heaven, I pray that the word of God would be real, active, living right now, in this moment, in our lives. Lord God, would you convict us where we need to be convicted, where you direct us, will you change us? Lord God, would you help us to be more and more like Jesus because of this time together? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. As many of you know, my wife and I, after retirement almost four years ago, uh, we began serving with an organization called Global Training Network. It's an interdenominational group of pastors and leaders across the country that have a vision to go and disciple and train pastors in the world that have no training possibilities. They love the Lord, they're pastoring a church, but they don't have the resources, they don't have the time, they don't have the possibility of getting any Bible training. How do they become a healthy pastor? How do they become a healthy church without any training? And, and you know that Paul told Timothy, you know, find faithful men and, and, and disciple them, and then they'll disciple others, and there's a multiplying element. And yet, in, in many places in the world, the pastors love Jesus. They got maybe one verse of salvation, and now they're the pastor, and they have people sitting there every Sunday, and they have no idea what to teach them because they've never been trained. So right now we have about 180 pastors and leaders that are committed. Uh, They raise support and then they go to places the Lord opens doors and they disciple and train pastors. We are now reaching about 80 countries in the world and that's still growing every year. So since uh, the spring of 2020, uh, by the way, when COVID began, we kicked into our ministry uh, with great effort. And this is by God's grace. Please hear this. This is not me. This is not my wife. This is God's grace. Since March 2020, we have been to Ethiopia and Kenya and Zambia and South Sudan and Nepal and Myanmar through Zoom. And we're heading to Honduras for a second time this Wednesday. And we're just overwhelmed with the open doors that God is providing. And I believe he's doing that because he knows that we are committed to teaching his word. One of the descriptions of the early church was that the word of God kept spreading. The word of God kept spreading. The word, that, that's it, okay? When people hear the word of God, their lives are changed, and then they grow, and then they want to pass on the word to others, and, and others, and others, and, and that's the church growing is when the word of God is spreading, So I'd like to share with you a couple of reasons why I believe the Word of God is so powerful. Number one is the high value of the Word of God. In Psalms 19, verse 10, it gives a description that David has of the Word of God. This is what he says. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now, I don't know if you've ever described the Bible that way. Maybe it's never even crossed your, your mind. But when David was describing the Word of God, he says, let me just give you a pile of gold. Boy, that looks good. Oh, wait, I'm not done. 
Let me just put fine gold on top of it, the very best gold, even a bigger pile of gold. Now are you getting excited? It's all yours if you want it. It's all yours. You can have it. He says, oh, by the way, let me give you a a pile of honey, the sweetest honey you've ever had. And so the taste buds, you'll get so excited to have that honey in your mouth. Uh, How many like those honey biscuits at Roadhouse? Those are great. You know, cinnamon in it, man. You can taste it right now, can't you? And uh, and so, so David says, Think of the finest food, think of the finest gold piled up in front of you, and then he says, and I want to tell you something, the Word of God is more desirable to me than that. Now, if you've not come to that point yet in your walk with Christ, you need to have the Lord convict you, because His Word should be the most valuable thing, because what His Word does is it draws us closer to Him, and that's what He wants. He wants us to be more like Him, and how will we be able to do that only through his word, teaching us, guiding us, correcting us, helping us, comforting us. And so I kind of believed when we began this ministry uh, with GTN that, that I love the, the word and I love the Lord and I wanted to, to teach God's word. And we came to a small church in Zambia uh, in Livingstone. And it was the poorest community and we had volunteered to preach in one of the, ser- the services and and so they, they got a car for us, and we drove up to the church. And by the way, there were no cars in the parking lot. The only car that was there was the one that brought us. Okay. My wife and I get out of the car, and it's a very basic building, uh, maybe uh, 20 by 30 something, very small, not, not really big. And uh, as soon as I get out of the van, the, this lady comes up. I found out later she was the pastor's wife. I didn't know who she was. And she says, Thank you for coming. Give me your Bible. And I go, well, see, I have my notes in my Bible, and I'm not going to give you my Bible. I really need it this morning. And she goes, no, give me your Bible. Uh, you know, I, this is really important to me to have my Bible. I, all my notes are here. Uh, no, give me your Bible. And so then the, the man who was with us says, it's okay. So she takes my Bible, and, and we follow her. Church has already been going on for about an hour or two, worshiping and singing, and they're just having a great time. It is packed. It is hot. It is packed. Children, teenagers, men and women, it's packed. And, and uh, she takes my Bible, and we're following her down the center aisle, and she's holding it up, walking to the front, turns around and presents it to the church, and then lays it down on the pulpit. What we learn later is that the the hunger for God's word was so great that someone had come. Their pastor had some training, a great man of God, but he had very limited training, and somebody was willing to come and teach them God's word. Now, here's a picture of the service, I think, maybe. Now, I I have to tell you, this is the first time I've ever preached uh, behind balloons, okay? (laughs) Maybe, maybe you guys need to try this, Scott. It could really liven up your service. I don't know. Um, it was Mother's Day, and the women on Mother's Day were given the freedom to decorate the church any way they wanted to. And when you give the women the freedom to do what they want, they're going to do what they want. You know? and, uh, and what a blessing it was. It was kind of funny. I had to keep you know, hitting the balloon to the side for people to see me. You know, But, um, but they were celebrating. They were celebrating the word of God that had come. And, um, and I was very humbled. And I had to ask myself the question later, do I value the word of God? 
that, that much. So they asked my wife to come up. Well, she was a little surprised by that because, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, wives are awesome and they could share a lot, but she wasn't expecting to preach. And so they said, after I was done preaching, and I thought I preached a pretty good sermon, and then they said, the pastor got up and says, well, now we're going to hear a word from our sister Anita. And so they ex- actually expected a sermon from her too. So how many of you need, need or want or even thought of having two sermons every Sunday where maybe Scott could preach and then Lisa could preach also? This could be a great blessing to the whole church. I don't know. But uh, this could be a new movement here. Um, but she had an opportunity to share. And then we were done sharing, and then we left because we had some other commitments, and we found out later from Dennis, who was in my training, that they went on another couple hours. Because they love the Lord, and they love the Word, and they love being together. Number one is the high value of the Word of God. Number two is the high work of the Word of God. So what does the Word of God do? Now, the number one thing it does is it brings a conviction of sin that leads to repentance. You see, we cannot have a relationship with the Holy God until we have this awareness that we have fallen short of His glory, and we desperately need salvation. We need a Savior. We need Him to do a work of of changing our lives, and we'll never come to that unless we have a conviction of the sin. This is the problem in our upside-down culture is when we set aside the Word of God, then we set aside the conviction of sin. There is no sin. There are no absolutes. Every behavior is acceptable. Every behavior even is celebrated. And therefore, no one is coming to God. Because without the conviction of sin, the Holy Spirit in John 18, number one thing the Holy Spirit does is convict the world of sin. Because we know in our hearts we have fallen short And the author of the Word of God is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants us to know that we can have a relationship with God through His grace and through His mercy. But God is not mocked. What you you reap, what you sow, you will reap. And uh, if your life is struggling right now and you're having a hard time with your life, and you might take a new look. Lord God, would you search me? Is there something in my life that has become a barrier? Is there something in my life that has become an obstacle for you to work freely in my life? And the Word of God will reveal to you what that is. So let me share a story. We were in Ethiopia a couple years ago, and uh, we met this lady, Mnet. Uh, Let's see the picture of that coming up next. There she is, Mnet. And she sat in the front of my class, and she had the just a a wonderful glow about her. She just had a great hunger to learn. She was in the front row taking notes. I I love people in the front row. So if you're in the front row today, you just got a special blessing from God right now, okay? And and she was sitting there. She was just hungry to learn, and she was taking notes. And, and And after, I found out that her husband was in the class too, and he was kind of, you know, just sitting there, you know, uh, listening, and I was talking about creation, and I was talking about how God created man and woman, and that they were equal in value, and they are equal before God as God looks at them and loves on them and wants a relationship with them equally, men and women. We have different roles in the marriage. We have different functions, but we have the same value before the Lord, and we should treat each other that way, and I, that's what I teach, and I, especially in Africa, uh, the, the countries have a, a very demeaning view of women many times. And so I thought, okay, that lesson went pretty well. And then uh, uh, the next day, Emnet invited us to her home. 
So <laughs> when you go to an Ethiopian home, man, get ready to eat, I tell you. And it's just a big, huge table of food, all kinds of options and choices, and we have no idea what we're eating, but we're gracious, and we're, we say, wow, this is great. We have no idea what it is. We, we try our best. My wife has a very delicate system, and so do I. And so we're praying, Lord God, keep us healthy. Help us get through this. And uh, the husband is taking charge of the evening. So the wife has done all this work, and the husband's talking about all of his accomplishments and so forth. And, um, and we can kind of see there's kind of an oppression there. He's kind of putting his hand on her shoulder, kind of telling her to be quiet, telling her what to do, instructing her. And we thought, Lord, pray for this family. There's all kinds of kids in the home. And uh, we knew that there was something wrong. The next day in class, the husband wasn't there, and Emnet was wanting to share with Anita, Lord, I, what do you say to a woman that shares that her marriage is abusive, her husband won't let her do anything for the Lord, and uh, what do you say to a woman that is broken? So Anita was able to minister to her and pray with her, and we thought that was the end of the story. The next year, here we come to Ethiopia this last March, and here comes Emnet with the biggest smile in the whole wide world. She came across town to meet us at breakfast. She wasn't in our training that, that time. And she says, I have come across town. I knew you were here. I wanted to tell you the rest of the story. But after the training time of previous year, the husband had a conviction of his way that he treated his wife and realized that he did not treat her with value and love. And she is just beaming, saying, my husband is encouraging me in my ministry at the church. He's encouraging me. He's even helped me get, get my own business started so I could do some things on my own. He's done this. He's done that. He's done this. And she said, it's all because of what he heard from you and God's word. A little over a year ago, we were in Nepal, and in Nepal, we need a translator. Uh, you can go to the next slide, please. And um, Mahesh was our translator, young adult, love for the Lord, and um, he has a, his own ministry, is a beautiful voice. And, uh, and so in, in translating uh, ministry, you, you want to get a rhythm going, because if you lose the rhythm, boy, it just starts dragging. So, you know, you say something in English, and you want the translator to be right there with you, and, and kind of, you, you kind of get a rhythm going. You kind of, it's like a dance, you know. You're kind of going back and forth, and it can be really powerful when, you're, when your translator is on the same page as you. Now, when your translator, you give them one sentence, and your translator talks for 10 minutes, you know something's happening there. We don't know. <laughs> You know, we talked to one translator, and, and she said to us that some, some people, when they're preaching, they're not saying anything, so she'll always add something, you know, that has some merit to the audience, you know. So when that happens, you know you're not connecting with your audience very well. But, but Mahesh was amazing. He, we just had a great rhythm. And I was talking about that in spiritual leadership, if you try to serve the Lord without the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you try to serve the Lord in your own strength, you are wasting your time and you're wasting the time of the church. And I was really kind of coming strong on, on how we need to lean into the Holy Spirit in everything we do as pastors. And the rhythm all of a sudden stopped. Uh, uh, my first thought with, with Mahesh was maybe my English was wrong, maybe he didn't understand the words, so I repeated what I said. And still, there was nothing from Mahesh. He was quiet. And then I looked. He was weeping. But the Word of God was saying, not just to the audience, it was saying something to him. 
Because the word of God is powerful. And it convicts us. Number two, it corrects us. 2 Timothy 3.16 has been a training verse. It's something very powerful. It tells us the word of God is inspired and it has a purpose. It's going to teach us. It's going to correct us. Okay, it's going to train us. It's going to equip us. And so sometimes there needs to be a correction. We think we're on the right path, but we're not. Okay? And it might not even be an obvious sin that we have. It's, it's like Saul on the road to Damascus, and he actually thought he was obeying God. He actually thought he was pleasing God by persecuting Christians. And, and, uh, and so God had to get in his face. You know, The Lord Jesus had to appear and correct his path. Okay? And so 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I believe, the first time really in my, my life I would say this, that I believe the movement of false teaching is at its greatest force that I've seen in my lifetime. Not just in the upside-down world teaching philosophy and worldviews and ideas that are totally opposite of the Word of God, but also in the church. Now, I'm not saying that about Scott and South Hills Church. I, I feel so blessed to be here, and I know his love for the Lord. I know his commitment to the Word of God. But I've, I'm hearing more and more stories of churches that claim the name of Jesus that are walking away from God's Word. And so, when we go to Africa, uh, there is, you know, sometimes uh, there's new inventions and stuff that are they're just a, such a blessing. So, and the internet is, is a blessing o- overall, okay, generally can be. But in Africa, here's the problem. And if you even go to a hotel in Africa, here's what, ha- here's what happens. Turn on the TV, you know, you've got a couple hours, you're going to watch TV. You're going to see a lot of soccer, okay, which is a great sport. And you're going to see a lot of Christian ministries, churches, ministries, preachers, evangelists. It's kind of a weird thing when you, you flip through the channels, soccer, Christian ministry, soccer, Christian ministry, you know. And then every once in a while, there's maybe an Arab ministry. And here's the problem. These TV, Internet, Christian ministries that, are, that, that the Africans are just loving and eating up are not teaching God's Word. Okay? They're teaching prosperity gospel. They're teaching if you give money, you will get blessing from God. And it's like a flood in the upside-down world right now, a false teaching. And unless the church gets solidly grounded in the Word of God, the flood will overwhelm us. But if we can anchor down into the Word of God, because I believe the upside-down world is actually starving for truth. Like they said about Jesus, you speak with authority that we do not hear anywhere else. Because it's not us, it's the Word of God. So this is why we have to take 2 Timothy 2.15 seriously. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Does that describe your commitment to God's Word? You're going to be diligent. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to take time. You're going to have to make a commitment. And then what you're going to do is not just go through the motions and read the verses, but you want to rightly divide it. So what you want to do is you want to have discernment. 
What is truth? What is God saying? What did God say to the, the people back then? What, who is the author? What is the author trying? What's the intent of the letter? One of the things we do with these pastors is we teach them basic hermeneutics, which means how do you study the Bible? You don't just take a thought out of the Bible and then just make it say whatever you want. You, you study it and you rightly divide it which means it's a farming term. It has the idea of, of doing the furrows, make them straight, make sure you're planting what you want to plant, and you plant it where you want to plant it, and so therefore you're going to get the harvest that you want to have. Maturity, according to Hebrews chapter 5, is the ability to discern right and wrong by practice. So the Word of God says this, okay, how can I apply that to my life? And then I start applying it, and I start applying it, and I start applying it like a farmer that goes row after row after row. Every day I'm going to apply God's Word, I'm going to live out God's Word, and there is life change. When we were in Kenya, uh, the plan usually is I, I'll teach two hours, and then there's three or four other team members that will teach. And here's a picture of our time in Kenya right here, and here's the translator. But our leader wanted to do something different. So he says, you're going to teach on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to teach for six hours, and I'm going to give you Tuesday. You have Tuesday. Teach the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You have six hours. And I go, okay, let's do it, you know. And so I began teaching on the Holy Spirit. I began to teach on the intimate relationship we have with the Spirit of God. I gave verse after verse about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how He can help you with your prayer life and how He can intercede for you and how He can guide you into the will of God and all kinds. It was just, it was an exhausting day. Uh, Next slide. This woman uh, shared with tears in her eyes at the end of the day. Um, You, you, taught me something today that I've never heard. She says, we go to a church where the pastor says, if you want your prayers answered, you cannot pray. You must bring me money, and I will pray for you, and then you'll get the answers to your prayer. And that's the teaching she got. Year after year after year, she had no money. She would find some money, barely, and then she would take it sacrificially and give it to her pastor and say, please pray for me. I need my, my son or my daughter is sick or whatever it was. And then she shared with me through one of the ladies, you have taught me that the Holy Spirit is in me. And I could call out and the Holy Spirit will help me and intercede for me and my prayers can be answered. I don't know what the pastor thought of my teaching, but uh, she was very blessed by that because she had learned something from God's word. And it changed the way she related to God. South Sudan, we've been there now twice. There, is, uh, there was a division, Sudan and South Sudan, in 2011. And South Sudan became a new nation after a lot of years of civil war. Sudan is primarily Muslim. South Sudan is primarily Christian. And so we have been invited to come into South Sudan. And the primary... Uh, Christian group is called the Episcopal Church of South Sudan. Now, the Episcopal Church of South Sudan has nothing to do with the Episcopal Church in America. Uh, This group uh, loves the Word of God, teaches the Word of God, believes the Word of God, and follows the Word of God with all their heart. And, And yet, they have a few more rituals than maybe you'd be familiar with. The leader of the entire South Sudan 
Episcopal Church, they call him the primate. That's an interesting term. Maybe we should start putting that on Scott's little title, the primate. That would be interesting. <laughs> it might have a lot of different definitions there, but I don't know. And, and we found, you know, he was wearing a robe and everything. We thought, okay. Uh, and he was the most humble and, and sweet servant of Jesus. His name was Justin. His name is Justin. And he said to the GTN leaders that were invited, he says, I, 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 I need you to hear my heart. I'm going to be the leader of two million uh, Christians in South Sudan for the next 10 years. And our churches are in trouble, and our nation is in trouble, and our pastors are in trouble because they've had no training. And so this is my vision. Would you please help me? He says, I believe if you can come in and disciple and train our pastors about 2,000 of them, that if you can disciple the pastors, the pastors will turn and disciple their churches, and then our country will turn around. When was the last time you heard that vision in the United States of America? That if we can disciple the pastors to be on fire for Christ, and they'll disciple the churches, our nation will change. And so when I, we go to South Sudan, and we were there just uh, in June... What a blessing it was to see their hunger for God's Word. One thing that the Word of God also does is not only convicts and corrects, but it also brings comfort. Comfort that leads to joy in serving Jesus. Now, you know the truth in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, it says uh, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know that. Now, have you read the context of that? The context is that Ezra had come in and done some teaching of the Word of God. And the impact of the Word of God on the people was they knew they had fallen short, and they are weeping, they're grieving, they know they had sinned, they know they had not obeyed God. And so the Word of God went out, the Word of God was explained, and then the people are weeping and grieving, and, the, and, and Nehemiah says, stop, okay, God does forgive you. God, don't live in the past of your guilt. God gives you his grace and his mercy. He'll give you a fresh start. And now walk in the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Not the grieving over the past or the regrets you might have. So each time we go to a country, my wife gets to share her story. She's not one of the Bible teachers. That's not her gift or her calling. But she's very strong in relationships and connecting with the women and so she will share her story. And some of you remember that her mom and dad decided to not be mom and dad anymore. And they, they kind of handed the kids off to a bunch of different locations. When Anita was 13, her mom left and uh, stopped being a mom. And she had to figure life out on her own. And she shares the story of abandonment, but she also shares the story of forgiveness and how the Lord brought forgiveness into her heart for her family, for her parents. So here's some pictures. When after Anita shares, there's something that, that's kind of unusual that happens. Okay, so the first couple of days, she hasn't shared yet. So we're, just, we're doing Bible teaching and doing you know, what we do as, as teachers. And then Anita will come and share. And all of a sudden, the women in the room come alive. Here's a pastor's wife from America. And she has the same type of problems that they have gone through. And how many people in Africa and, and Nepal 
have experienced abandonment and their families are a disaster and, and the marriages they've seen are not Christian marriages and it's just, it's just heartbreaking to hear their stories. And as soon as Anita sh- shares right afterwards, they all want to come and I have my story. Would you please listen to my story? Would you listen to my story? Would you listen to my story? And, and she gets a chance to love on them and pray with them and point them to the Word of God that God will help them. They were in Zambia, and they offered a women's conference, and the women in Zambia are not really treated with much value, even in the church, and so when we offered a women's conference, they were, the women were very excited. I think the men didn't care. Whatever, over there, that's fine, and so a group of women gathered, and, and uh, Anita and two other ladies were teaching on the book of Philemon, which is a story of forgiveness. And, uh, and they were getting just nothing from the audience. I mean, there was maybe 30 women there, and they're just looking at them, kind of like deer, deer in headlights. And it's like, we're not getting through this group. And um, Patsy, the, one of the leaders, I believe, is the one who came up with this idea. She said, okay, I want you to go home. She tells the ladies, I want you to go home, and I want you to draw a picture of your story of forgiveness. Because what they realized is they, had not, they did not have the ability to read the Word of God. And they were very awkward in trying to stand in front of people. So they thought, why don't we just draw a picture and come up and explain your picture? So the next day, this very quiet, reserved group of women all of a sudden explodes. One woman after the other, they can't even wait. They want to get in line And they would show their picture. It was stick figures. It's not like artwork. It was just like it gave them something to show the room. This is me when I was a little girl. And this is what happened in my family. And this is where I live. And this is how I exist. And and then this is what Jesus has done. And they, they, they were able to explain their picture even though they did not know the Bible verses or whatever, they knew the power of the Word of God. Comfort. Some of you need the Word of God, and you're not necessarily looking for one more thing to learn about some knowledge thing. What you're looking for is comfort. Because your life, I know, is hard. I've heard some of your stories through the last four years, and I know some of you have gone through some very difficult things. And the Word of God can bring comfort. I was asked to do some Zoom teaching to a group of Bible students and pastors in Myanmar. I don't know if you've ever heard that name before. It used to be called Burma. Here's a picture of me in my office at at my house. And here's my laptop. And I am teaching a class uh, of students, Bible students, in Myanmar. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Let me tell you the story. The military, uh, just before this happened, uh, military took over the country. And now it's run by the military. And there's great persecution of Christians and churches because the Christians and the churches are not supporting the military the way he wants them to. I had one Zoom meeting, and I'm talking to a group of pastors. Now, this is pretty cool. I have all these uh, boxes on my computer screen. There's about 35 pastors in their homes. They're all looking at their phone. They have smartphones, by the way, in these little tiny houses, you know, and um, they don't cost what it costs us, by the way. You want to you hear something unfair. They can have a really brand new iPhone for about $10 a month, and that includes their entire plan. So, I mean, and then you can look at your bill and just think about that a minute. Okay, so 
So anyway, I'm looking at all these faces, and they have gathered together. They got their kids, they got their wife, and they're, they're all looking at the screen. It's like, I mean, the hunger for God's word was amazing. And then one of the pastors, through a translator, this is what he, he, he said. He said, oh, I have a praise. We heard the rumors that the military was going to come in and destroy our entire village. And I have a praise. They only destroyed one-third of it. And they were so thankful that God had spared them from what could have happened. And that comfort that they find in the Word of God, that God will keep committed to His people and take care of His people. So when I'm teaching this class of Myanmar Bible students, and you ask them, now, why are you in this class? Your, your country is getting de- destroyed, and you could lose your life. Okay, we say that, but in this class, yeah, my brother, you know, my, my relative, he was killed last week, and the, so forth. It's like, okay, why are you here? Well, because because we want to teach and comfort our people with the Word of God. So we have a high impact of the Word of God. That's number three. There's a story there that I won't go into, but it's a story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 17. I'd encourage you to read it later. And it's really a cool story. What he, what he says is really what Global Training Network is all about and really what the church is all about. He says that they, they heard the word, and then he said, you know what? The people need to hear the word. So he gets some key leaders, and he trains them the word of God, and then he sends the leaders out so they can teach the people the word of God. That's a huge blessing. To see that what God does in your life, you are to pass on. So there's a couple questions you need to think through. Number one, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Of course, that's number one. Have you spent time, number two, in God's Word? And number three, are you passing on what you're learning to someone else? It could be a Bible study group. It could be your your life groups. It could be a, a ministry with children or youth. It could be just your neighbors, somebody. But what God gives you, He expects to pass it on. Um... In South Sudan, we were, in a, a, we were invited to a, a service. It was in the middle of the afternoon. Let me give you a picture of it. High impact of the Word of God. There it is. So this is the primate, Justin. And we had no idea what we were going to walk into. We walk into this tent, and it, it's got probably 3,000 people in it. No, no air conditioning, by the way. And we, they bring us up, and we're just sitting you know, in the row there. And we thought, okay, this is cool. We get to observe Uh, what they're doing in South Sudan. And uh, TV cameras, we learned later we were on on TV. I I hope I had my makeup right, I don't know. (laughs) It was really kind of a humbling moment, really. And they're dancing and they're celebrating. And then they said, and now we'll have our guests from Global Training Network come up. I thought, wait a second, I'm not dancing. I don't know what they want me to do, but they're asking us to come up. So we come up. There's about eight of us. And, he, and then he says that these, these, these people have come to our country. And a lot of peop- There's not a lot of people that go to South Sudan for vacation. Okay? It's really not a place you want to go for vacation. They don't see a lot of visitors. These people have come to our country. 
and they are going to be teaching our pastors. And 3,000 people erupt in celebration. And I get excited about what God's going to do in that country. There was a waiter that was in our, our uh, hotel in Ethiopia. So you go from the large impact, and then you go to the personal impact. And uh, his name is Tamrat. Tamrat was a nice waiter, had a nice smile, and we tried to love on him. It's always important to love on people that are helping you and, and walking through life with you. And we were loving on him and got to know his name, and, and uh, he was a good waiter. We said, well, we, God bless you. The next year, we come back, and, uh, and I see Tamarat in the class. Because of the way you treated me and because of what I learned from you, I wanted to be in your class. And his life began to change. In Ethiopia in March, uh, we were, uh, had a little different scenario because of the violence in some of the areas of Ethiopia. We used to go to seven cities but because there was violence and they didn't want us to go in those areas, they, they, they brought all the students to one town, Debrezet. And there was 190 students in one location that normally we only teach like 30 here and 30 there. 190 of them came together at this uh, seminary college that uh, had no classes that week. And, uh, and, and uh, what, a, what a blessing to see them celebrating and worshiping and, and hungry for God's word. And um, I had just finished leading a group to Israel for 10 days, teaching two or three times a day. And then I came to Ethiopia, and I had five classes. And so by Wednesday, I was tired, okay? And so I, I shared with my wife, which is a good thing. I, I'm tired. I just could use some prayer. I wasn't sick. I just was not feeling my best. She happened to share with one of our team members that Phil wasn't doing very well. He needs some prayer. And he decides to get up in the group and say, wait, we've got to stop here. Our teacher needs prayer. <laughs> you know, you share something with your wife, and all of a sudden it just becomes less like an open thing here. And uh, so what, you know what happened? The class came at me like I had a, a loose football on the five-yard line. And... Uh, and they just, they just came upon me. And, and there were ladies on the floor, and they were praying fervently as they were rubbing my shoe. And then they were rubbing my calf. And I'm thinking, Lord, just keep them down there. Okay, don't go any higher here. And, uh, and they were just like, oh, Lord, please help our pastor. You know, and, um, and so we can laugh. And I felt very awkward, and, and it was kind of weird. And then uh, we had a short tea break, and then I came back, and I was a new man. Um, so let me just kind of wrap up. The last thought is there's a high need for the Word of God. There's many scriptures about what Ezra and Nehemiah did. But let me jump to uh, slide 35, a statistic that uh, the leader of GTN, Paul Matson, shared with us this last year. And you're going to have to write this down, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to weep over this. This was a survey study done by a mission organization that knows what they're doing, but a lot of work into this, these numbers. These are not just generalized numbers. These are real 
statistics. 77,000 conversions worldwide every day. Praise God. Sometimes in our, in our secular media, we don't know that, but it's happening. God is at work. 7,000 from the global north and 70,000 from the global south. That means in Europe and the United States and in Canada, there is, uh, I don't care. That's not true. That's a book full of fables. We don't need that. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live. And God is at work. But in the global south, they know with their poverty and their wars and their heartache and their famines, they know they need a word from God. This statistic says two things to me. One is uh, the Lord is going to send his workers to places where people are hungry to hear. But number two, we have a lot of work to do here in America. So I want to repeat 1 Thessalonians 2.13 to you. We thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men. That will not change this world. It will not turn the upside-down world upside right, right, the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And it starts with you individually. You just say, Lord God, I need your word. Would you work it in me and work it through me to change lives? So you've seen the outline. There's the high value. There's the high work of the word of God. There's the high impact and there's the high need. There's a video I want to share with you. In Kenya, I get blessed with the worshipers. I tell you, when they worship in Kenya, they are excited. And uh, there's high volume, high energy. There's uh, lots of movement. Uh, it, it blesses me. But uh, through the years at Global Training Network, we've taught them a song. And it's not a Kenyan song. And you would think, well, that's not culturally relevant to them. It's kind of an old-fashioned song. And, um, but at the end of every, every day of teaching in Kenya, we say, let's sing our song. And I tell you, I, I got a video of them singing this song. It's called Ancient Words. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. 
Thank you that your word is changing lives around the world. Thank you that my wife and I have that privilege and honor to be part of that. And I thank you for the people of South Hills that care deeply for you and what you're doing around the world. I pray that you would start your work in us and then work through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.